Hey y'all, Cable here, and this week's podcast is brought to you by a, a very exciting new platform that I'm a member of, uh, because let's face it, if you're tired of all the hate, all the negativity that we face as hunters and anglers on social media outlets like Facebook and Instagram, then check out Go Wild. This is a place, a, a community that fosters a, an attitude of acceptance, and it's very unapologetic. We are who we are. We don't need to apologize, but at the end of the day, uh, we also don't need to put up with the BS thrown at us by anti-hunters from members of groups like HSUS or these PETA freaks. I mean, we don't need to put up with them. So head over to Go Wild. I'm over there. Join the conversation and be a part of the fastest growing community of hunters and anglers out there. It's free, and uh, whether you have an iPhone or an Android, you can find it. Just look for Go Wild. I'll see you there. It came. On a summer's day, bringing gifts from far away, but it made it clear it couldn't stay. No horror was his home. The sailor said, Bring me you're a fine girl. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. That is Brandon. You're a fine girl kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hawk Power Polaris. Uh, We're doing stuff a little differently today as this is the solid gold oldies edition of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. And, uh, you know, we play Texas country, outlaw country, real country music coming in and out of commercial breaks. Done the same thing for the last nine years. And I figured, you know, these songs that I'm going to play today, this is what I actually grew up on. Uh, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. My parents were great parents. But uh, up until the time I hit about junior high, I could listen to one of two things, and that was the oldie station or the Christian station. So I relied heavily on the sounds of the 50s and 60s, which when I was a kid, you know, I was born in 81, those were oldies then. So (laughs) when you turn on an oldie station today, you probably hear like 80s and 90s music, but uh, this is the music that I was raised on. And, And to be honest with you, a lot of it influenced the kind of music that I listen to today and that you listen to today as far as rockabilly or outlaw country, which is where, for me personally, I tie the music into the great outdoors because real country music goes hand-in-hand with a campfire, a cold beer, and a deer lease. Or uh, a mountain at 11,000 feet if, if you're passing around a bottle of hooch or whatever. But... That's what we're going to do today. We'll uh, get back to the normal script next week. Hope you all enjoy this uh, this trip down memory lane. I know I'm going to. All that aside, we've got a great show lined up for you today, so you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos. Yeah, the one that your granddad passed down to you. You know, that green Stanley that probably still has mud caked on it from the 2010 waterfowl season. We've got a lot to get into today and off the top. We're going to talk some uh, alligator gar fishing, which 
going back to today's music, I was driving back from South Texas, had the pleasure of going down there and boat fishing with Cody Soli of Extreme Boat Fishing this past week. And on the way back, I wanted to hear Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. I just, I don't know why, just got a hankering to hear that song. And I found a playlist on Spotify. And next thing I knew, it was five hours later. And there I was, caught in the, this time warp, listening to the sounds of my early childhood. Uh, but anyway, Cody Soli will be here to discuss the alligator gar, where it stands as a, a trophy fish in Texas. What is Texas Parks Wildlife doing to protect this fish? And is it bringing any revenue into the state? Because ultimately, that is what's going to save the species. We all know that. If it pays, it stays. Um, and then this facade that rod and reel anglers are somehow better than bow fishermen. We'll explain that in a little bit when Cody joins us. Uh, after that, we will be joined by uh, truly one of the nicest human beings in the outdoor industry, a devout Christian, and all around uh, just good dude, but amazing hunter on top of it all. David Blanton from Realtree will be here to discuss a, a ministry that he's involved in that takes young boys uh, who are void father figures in their lives on their first hunting or outdoor experiences. Uh, so we're thrilled to have David join us. We'll talk a little bit more about that endeavor coming up here in just a bit. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk some wild game cooking with Wild Bill. That's right. Uh, <laughs> William Powell of Texas Select Seasonings, the nearly 30-year-old company based out of, of uh, South Texas that makes in my opinion, the best rubs, glazes, and salsas that you could possibly ever need for your wild game dishes. Uh, he'll drop in a passionate hog hunter as well. And so we'll talk some uh, some wild game cooking coming up here at the bottom of the hour with Wild Bill. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a dang good one. Guarantee you that. A uh, couple uh, other things. Our June photo of the month contest is rocking and rolling. We've got the Vortex Optics AMG holographic site, perfect for your AR. That's right. Uh, we're giving that away to this month's winner. All you have to do, email me your best outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Better yet, post it to our Facebook page or use that LSOS photo contest hashtag on Instagram. We'll get you entered. And then our, uh, our finalists will square off at the end of the month for a fan vote to determine the winner. And then our uh, our monthly winners from 2018 will compete for our 2018 grand prize hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch. One of y'all will get to hunt trophy axis deer or black buck with me at my favorite ranch in all of Texas, Coons Canyon Ranch down there in the heart of the Texas Hill Country. So send in those photos. We'll get you entered. Uh, one other thing. Let's do a quick giveaway before we take a break. I've got, uh, well, I'll let you pick. I've got a box of either 308 7 mag or 300 wind mag Hornady ELD ammo that we're going to give away to this week's winner. All you have to do is email the word Hornady to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. And uh, if you have one of those calibers, we'll send you the box of ammo if you win the drawing. You just uh, you'll let us know once you win, and I'll ship that out to you. Uh, let's take a quick break when we come back. We are talking alligator gar 
And all that implies with our friend Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails Magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. How she cared for me and that we never part And so for the very first time I gave away my heart for a little fool Oh yeah Poor little fool That is the music of Rick Nelson bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show powered by Dallas Safari Club Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today And uh, man, Rick Nelson gone at the age of 45 plane crash took his life as well as he was heading from uh, Gunnersville, Alabama to Dallas, Texas when his plane crashed. Another one gone way too soon but uh, he along with the likes of, of uh, Buddy Holly and many others inspired that rockabilly sound that truly I believe helped foster that Texas country or Americana sound that you and I love today. So uh Poor little fool, Rick Nelson, uh, on the solid gold oldies edition of the Lone Star Outdoors show. We're all set to uh, visit with Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. Had the pleasure of chasing trophy alligator gar with a stick and string with Cody this past week. A couple boys from Nebraska came down as winners of uh, one of our monthly photo contests as well. We had a hell of a trip, not going to lie, and we're going to get into it momentarily. But before we do that, this segment of the show 
is proudly brought to you by First Light. If you haven't checked out the Obsidian Pants yet, you need to do yourself a favor and order a pair. I literally tried to destroy these things up in Montana while bear hunting two weeks ago. Couldn't do it. No, couldn't do it. I mean, bushwhacking, we took it to a whole new level, one that I was pretty uncomfortable with. I mean, when I say bushwhacking, I literally needed a machete. Limbs were hitting me in the face with every step, walking down the side of a mountain, and I just assumed my pants were going to be destroyed when I got back to the truck. No. The obsidians, (laughs) they kept on trucking without even the slightest sign of wear and tear. And uh, you can find them at firstlight.com. First Light, go farther, stay longer. All right, let's go ahead and bring on our first guest. He makes his return to the show when it comes to alligator gar fishing and the vitality of this ancient species. Few folks know him better, if anyone, than bow fishing guide Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. Cody, thanks for jumping on with me, man. Hey, bud. How's it going? Awesome, awesome. Great to finally meet you in person and fling some arrows with you this past week. Yeah, no, we had a blast, man. Glad to get you guys on the boat finally. We've been trying to get you all out for a while now. Yeah, and we had some serious uh, sharpshooters on the boat with us. Kale and Zach came down from Nebraska. And uh, it was very quickly apparent that they knew what they were doing. Hell, they even brought their own bow fishing rigs. Yeah, no, that was awesome, man. They uh, they put some shots down for sure. I wish all my customers could shoot like that. Well, we we certainly appreciate you donating that trip, which Zach won through one of our photo of the month contest. Back uh, it was actually last year, and uh, you were nice enough to let us push it back to this summer. So they came down, finally got down here to Texas, and we hit the water. Um, fishing for us, there wasn't a lot of shot opportunities, but I guess that's kind of the way it goes when you're fishing for for big trophy alligator gar. You know, it's just it's daily. You know, it changes. It's just like any other fishing. Sometimes we get out there and, and get. 10 to 20 opportunities some days we really got to put the time in like we did with you guys yeah uh, that's what makes it fun though if they were everywhere all the time it, it wouldn't be any fun yeah well and it's totally it, i've been bow fishing quite a few times never really targeting just specifically big trophy alligator gar it's very much more like spot and stock hunting than it is fishing for sure absolutely yeah no i, I tell people it's, it's about as close as you get to, to chasing a big elk on public ground you know you never Never really know where they're going to be. We see a lot of country, cover a lot of ground. You know, often we'll we'll put hundreds of miles on the truck and, and see you know multiple bodies of water with the same group of guys just to get that that big fish in the boat for them. Yeah. Well, and like I said, we didn't have a ton of shots, maybe like five or six. But those two guys, man, they <laughs> they each put an arrow. I mean, it was out of my level of uh, expertise. I mean, uh, the one the one that Kale made on the first one, I was like, did he just do that? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, the first I remember the first opportunity of the day he was he was was it Kale off the side of the boat? I'll sneak. He didn't say anything to anybody and sent that arrow off with that big one right off the bat. Yeah, didn't even say a word to anything. And he never even seen an alligator guard. He's just like over there just doing his thing. Wham! And you know. Yeah, yeah. He he was saving that fish for himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so what percentage of your clients can shoot like those two guys? You know, we get people from all walks of life. It's all over the board. It's hard to say. Uh but not many, you know. Probably the five to ten percent uh, we get guys that can that can shoot that well. We we would harvest much more fish than we do if, if everybody could connect on those challenging shots. Yeah, and and a lot of people actually book three day trips with you just because they're not proficient 
bow fishermen. Exactly. Yeah, we'll spend the first day shooting a carp and other species of high numbers to get them practice and comfortable with the equipment, and then we'll kind of change gears for the second and third day and go after big fish like we did with you guys right off the bat. Yeah. Well, they even let me poke an arrow in both fish, you know, follow-up shot, so I got to feel like I did something. So Right, right. That was cool. <laughs> Um, I saw that you uh, you made some restaurant with an alligator gar. What'd you think? Oh yeah, dude, it was great. It was it was it was very good. A little it was firmer than most freshwater fish. I'd say kind of like a swordfish or shark or something. But right, uh, flavor was much more mild than those saltwater species. So yeah, uh, yeah, very. Yeah, we try to send that. You know, we try to send those, those fillets home with any customer that'll take them and, and find local people to donate the fish to if they. Uh, if they can't get the meat back with them on an airplane and so forth. Yeah, and it was educational just watching you clean them, which you actually used a drill. Right, yeah, so it's a process for sure. We use a, a pair of drill-powered tin snips to get through that armor, which is you know, about an eighth of an inch thick. Yeah, and then you just work that, that fillet knife down the uh, – basically it's like you know taking a back strap out of a deer. Real similar, yeah, almost almost the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say this. I was amazed at how little penetration – uh, we got with I think the bow I was shooting was 50 pounds, and I think theirs were set at 50, 55, something like that. And I mean, you're li- literally getting like maybe an inch of penetration through that armor. Exactly. Yeah, most of these fish, you know, we bounce off fish all the time at 50, even 60 pounds, but most of these fish, even on a good connection, will only get about an inch to inch and a half of penetration. Every once in a while, you'll get one all the way through, but it's it's an oddity. You know, it rarely happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that first fish, I think the one that Kale shot, it was like, I don't even know how we got that fish to the boat with, because that first arrow was barely, it had like one one prong in the fish. Yeah, that one surprised us. She got up under that log and took off and, and then surfaced down about 100 yards down the river from us. We were all expecting to be right underneath the boat, but we were we were staring at the line caught down on a log and not the fish. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, we did good. Those those guys could shoot for sure. They're welcome on my boat anytime. Yeah, well, and they were just tickled pink uh, to to have the success that we had. And then I know they, you know, they mentioned they'd never even seen the ocean before. So when we left right. you, we we headed down to Port O'Connor and did a little red fishing, and and they got to uh, swim in the ocean and catch a redfish. So they had a they had a hell of a trip. Um, but I, I do want to shift gears here and, and talk yeah. about the future of alligator gar fishing. Absolutely. In the Lone Star State, are you fearful for the future of bow fishing for trophy alligator gar? Oh, every day, every day for the last four or five years, you know, we uh, we get a lot, of, a lot of negative publicity and, and people after us as bow fishermen because they just don't understand the sport. You know, it's it's uh, it's a shame, but it's, unfortunately, it's, it's the majority. Yeah. Why do you think there is that that negativity or that that stigma attached to to bow fishing? It's for multiple reasons. I think a lot of it is just purely, you know, people aren't educated in the sport. You know, they don't understand how challenging it is to, to capitalize on those opportunities, especially on these big fish. Um, a lot of people think we just load up in the boat and go out there and then sink the boat with a thousand carp and four or five of these giant alligator gar and then go dump them on the bank somewhere. You know, they don't understand the, the sportsmanship and the hunt behind what we're actually doing. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't for those two guys, we'd still be there trying to get me one. So right, right. I'm gonna have to pick up a bow. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think some of the damage is self-inflicted when you see photos of people with just a truckload of carp or? One hundred percent. Yeah. If you, if you look at my website, you know, out of 
probably 99% of our pictures are, are just one person, one fish type photos. You know, they've got a big fish held up or a nice buffalo carp. Uh, I really try to stray away from the, the multiple fish photos. And it's not, not because I don't agree with it, because, you know, there's a reason the state allows us to take all these invasive species. But when you post up a picture of a thousand fish, all that does is just bring out the people that, I don't understand bow fishing, and they, they jump to conclusions that it's easier than it is, and, and they think it's like that all the time, which it's not, you know. Um, you know, on, on an average day on my boat, you know, especially customers that aren't proficient with gear, they'll, uh, you know, they'll come back with sometimes less than 10 fish. You know, they'll shoot all day long and have a blast, and their fingers are sore, but they don't think the boat like that in those pictures you're talking about. Yeah. Well, what about, I think that there's this, uh, this complex rod and reel angling. It's much like, you know, fly fi- fly fishermen, trout fishermen. Right. Kind of, and I'm not saying all of them because I am a fly fisherman. I love to trout fish, but I'll I'll eat the hell out of a rainbow trout. I don't care. You know, right, right. There's guys out there who, you know, in a lot of cases, they don't even bring the fish into the boat or these, and whatever the case is, they use barbless hooks. And they have yeah. this holier-than-thou complex that, like, they're an elitist and they're somehow better than the rest of us, which is a load of crap. And right. Especially when it comes to rod and reel, quote, catch and release gar fishermen. And we talked a lot right. about this on our trip. Uh-huh. Because gar have such bony mouth, it's very difficult to, to hook one in the mouth. Absolutely. Typically, they're using live bait or fresh cut bait, and they're letting these gar swallow that thing, and they're gut hooking it. Well, it's, it's, not, it's nearly always, because if you're familiar with how you fish for a gar, you know, if, if you fish for bass or other sports, sport fish you set the hook I'm trying to rip um, their face you know, off it's awesome exactly yeah and, and with the gar i mean these guys literally go out and i don't care if they're using circle hooks or treble hooks or whatever they're meaning to tackle they have to allow this fish to swallow the bait to attempt even a mouth set hook with a circle hook and there's no guarantee they're going to hook that fish you know from the from the mouth majority of the time they're going to hook that fish from the inside um so you know i know they're they've got good intentions and, and us as both fishermen have good intentions. You know, if they would allow us to release these fish that we shoot that aren't mortally wounded, we'd have a high you know, survival rate as well. I can't tell you how many fish I could let go a year. My customers would be thrilled to let go, but the state just won't allow that. Oh, gosh. Um, the first one that we shot, we had yeah. three arrows in it. We could have let that yeah. fish go. It would have survived. Oh, yeah. No, we could have got that fish in the boat on one arrow, gotten our photos, you know, released the fish with minimal stress, and on its way, it's, it, it goes. Second one uh, we for actually, sure would have died, but that you know, still fifty yeah, percent. Yeah, But like, uh, let's take a fishing for bass. You're ultimately trying to release every fish you catch if you're that conservationist. But every once in a while, you get that fish that swallows the bait, uh, and that's more often the case with a gar than than a bass or or another sport fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shoot alligator gar all the time that have arrow scars that have not intentionally been released, but you know, gotten off, and they get off with us all the time. Um, we fish the same bodies of water, so we'll shoot some alligator gar that we was in last year. Uh, we've, I've actually boated alligator gar before that had broke off arrows in them that were still surviving. You know, they're they're very resilient, and and majority, I would say, especially if we're careful with our shots, we can we could release roughly fifty percent of the fish we kill, you know we shoot, and they and they wouldn't die. Yeah, but Texas Parks and Wildlife doesn't allow that. It's it's a big no no. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, and that is a shame. Um, but what do you think the mortality rate is for the catch and release guys? Because they, they're they always frowning on the bow fishing guys. And, and really, I would say I, 
I would like to do both. You know, I don't, I don't care one way or the other. I went boat fishing with you. That's the biggest gar I've ever seen. The two that we got on the boat the other day. Um, I I don't really have a dog in the fight, you know, but it just seems like they're. Well, and for me, you know, majority of my, my business comes from boat fishing. So you think I'd be biased. Uh, but you know, I I would say their survival rate is probably a little bit higher than ours would be, uh, you know, across the board. Yeah. But you still have a high mortality rate. And the thing is, is as a bow fisherman, what you saw on my boat, you know, we spent majority of an entire day on the water. And like you said, we only got a handful of opportunities. As a rod and reel angler, especially a proficient one, you know, you can hook up to 10 of these fish a day. So even with a higher success rate of release, you're still going to have a higher mortality rate per angler because they're getting more opportunities. They're hooking up to more of these fish. Yeah. Uh, and they don't know. As a bow fisherman, if you kill one fish off my boat, that is your fish for the day. As a rod reel angler, let's say you catch three four-footers and you let those fish go, and then you finally land that six-footer, and you take him home because you do want to put him on the wall, and two of those fish you release also die, you know, a day or, or two days later. You've done more damage as a rod reel angler catch and release than we did with a boat. Right. Um, it's just unfortunately how it goes. You know, with good intentions or not, you know, that's common sense, and anybody can, can tell you that. Sure, sure. Well, and it's like this. You know, if you gut shoot a deer, it dies. If you gut hook a gar, some of them are going to die. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, well, imagine swallowing a hook and somebody dragging, around, you, know, dragging you down the highway for about an hour. <laughs> By <laughs> your gut. You off and you're you're going to run off pissed off, but you're not going to go real far. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, you're, you're getting your inner dripped out. for, And these fish are they're incredible fighters. Um, well, we felt that just oh, yeah. bow fishing. But you're having your innards tugged on for an hour, and you're physically exhausted. And then they put you back in the water and think you're just going to be okay? I mean... Well, and not to mention, too, they don't want really to put you back in the water. Most of these guys, not all of them, I do know some that retrieve their gear with special tools, but if you look at these rod and reel angling photos of alligator gar, what you'll find often is you'll see the remnants of the tackle. You know, you'll see the steel leader hanging out of their mouth. Uh, that fish is being released like that, you know. So these fish are swimming off with either a treble or a circle hook or whatever, you know, method they're using to catch these fish. Plus four and a half, five, six, even seven foot of steel leader uh, still inside of them, which eventually, you know, just because of the way the alligator gar, you know, acts, it's going to swallow that leader completely. It's not going to regurgitate it back up. It's going to swallow that leader, and that's going to end up inside of it and have to, you know, biodegrade. And that process, you know, takes a while, even in even salt water. So it's just not, it's not any better at the end of the day than us bow fishing and abiding by the law of our one per person per day. Right on, right on. Well, I think this is a good place to take a break. Uh, We'll come back and uh, discuss why Texas Parks and Wildlife seems to, you know, historically have such little interest in this fish. I think the answer is very obvious, but I'm sure that you can shed some more light on the situation. Uh, That segment of the show proudly brought to you by OverstocksandBargains.com. They went around and bought up all the ammunition when Gander Mountain went out of business. That's right. And now they're offering it to you and I at deeply discounted prices. Plus, you'll save 10% off your entire ammo order if you use my promo code LONESTAR. That's LONESTAR when you check out at overstocksandbargains.com. We'll be right back with more from Extreme Boat Fishing. Cody Soli, you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Do 
you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease, we have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Have you had the frustration of trying to mount your game camera to a T-post with zip ties or bailing wire, but the first time you check it, find it pointing at the ground? I have. My name is Art Greep with Gunny Art Products. I'm the inventor of Teammate, the T-post game camera mount. Teammate is a rugged steel bracket. Just attach your camera to it, slip it over a T-post, and latch it in place. Teammate will end your zip tie and bailing wire frustration. Order yours today at tpostmount.com. That's tpostmount.com. Dot com. Cold Kentucky rain, one of my favorites there from Elvis Presley, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Another solid gold oldie on today's broadcast. Cable Smith here with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I do appreciate each and every one of you as uh, we are talking alligator gar and mixing in some bow fishing conversation with longtime guide Cody Soley of Extreme Bow Fishing. But before we pick it back up with Cody, this segment of today's broadcast is brought to you by John X Safaris. If you're looking to plan your first or 10th South African safari, John X Safaris has you covered Carl Van Seel, my good friend and PH, is the second generation owner of John X. And whether you want to hunt Cape Buffalo, uh, Leopard, any of the big five, or you're just after a planes game like me. Whatever your budget is or whatever your goals are, John X has you covered. And you can find them at johnxsafaris.co.za to start planning your hunt of a lifetime. All right. Uh, well, Cody, thanks for sticking around through the break. Um, I do want to talk about this interesting phenomenon you know texas parks and wildlife doesn't seem to really care or hasn't historically cared about the alligator gar and uh i think that it's pretty clear as to the reason why uh, unlike bass fishing or or crappie or hybrids or striper or even catfish the alligator gar as badass as this fish is it simply doesn't create or generate any revenue well you know here's the deal right now in texas our number one producer, as far as you know, funds go for Texas Parks and Wildlife, is our bass fishermen. 
you know, our, our share lunker program, our guys going out to buy fishing licenses, uh, chasing those bass, operating those tournaments, you know, those guys are putting most of the, of the money into the system. Both fishermen, we, even though we have to purchase a fishing license, we don't directly put, you know, much into the, the economics for these guys. Um, I would love to see some sort of bow fishing stamp because, in my opinion, because I can't target game fish like catfish and bass and the things that these licenses fund, I don't understand why I need to buy the license. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather there be a bow fishing stamp, possibly with an alligator gar tag, uh, to create some revenue and some stocking programs, especially for these alligator gar. Uh, I think it would be good. You know, it benefit both parties. Yeah, yeah. Would you have a problem because, you know, I, I know you and, and know your views now, um, and, and I pretty much just knew from our previous phone conversations the type of person that you were, but would you have an issue with a one-per-season limit for alligator gar? No, I've, I've been pushing that since I got into the business. Uh, Isn't that crazy you know, for a boat fishing guide to say, hey, I would... <laughs> yeah, take him away from us, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the way that I look at it, it's, it's the same mentality of, you know, I don't think a guy needs to go out and shoot 15, 200-inch white tail bucks every year. Um, these things are trophies. They do take a while to get to where they're at. You know, they don't grow as fast as some other species, even though they do grow faster than Texas Parks and Wildlife, you know, first believe. Uh, I would love to see these big fish on a redfish slot type, type, uh, you know, setup to where you're allowed one fish over X per year and two, three to under. Uh, that way people that want to, you know, enjoy them for consumption for table fare can catch, you know, the small ones and then feed their family. The trophy hunter can go out and get his big fish. Uh, your out-of-state guy can still bring his revenue and his, his, uh, his business to these local economies and, and guides like myself. You know, it's, it's, it's the answer to everybody's problem, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, your rod and reel guys, you know, I think they should be upheld with that, too. I don't see why these guys should be able to go out and catch 15 of these monsters a year just for the photographs, even though they're letting them go. How many of those are they actually killing? Uh, I think those guys ought to have to bring that alligator gar in, ultimately tag it, can they still release it? Sure, I'd love that. But they don't. They can't ensure that fish is going to live. Yeah. Uh, so if they're catching that seven-foot fish, even though they're letting it go, who's to say that fish didn't swim off and float back up? Uh, you know, it's just the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting to think about. I mean, it's obviously it's worked with redfish. It saved them from, you know, they were commercially fished almost to where that fishery was wiped out in the late yeah. 70s. Um, but now it's thriving up and down the Texas coast. And so I think that, I don't know, something needs to give because there is value in these fish. So many people want to pursue them. Uh, The management philosophy, the the plan that we have in place right now just flat out isn't working. It isn't, and it's due to to a lack of interest by the state for for many years. You know, they they just became interested in the alligator gar, you know, mainly in 2014. You know, they changed regulations for the first time back in 2000 when commercial fishing was still allowed. Uh, then it kind of set, you know, and then in 2014, they started really getting interested in it again. And the amount of revenue, I mean, I can tell you as just a single guide service, and there's multiple of us out there, uh, you know, we put between 150 to 200 trips on the water a year. And those trips consist of four to five people that have all bought Texas fishing licenses to come down here. Uh, I can guarantee you everybody that steps foot on my boat would purchase an alligator guard tag if it was an option and if it was mandatory. Um, and all that revenue could be put back into stocking programs and further research and, and understanding the fit, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, hell yeah, I'd buy. I'd buy one every year, and even if I, you know, it's like 
I encourage people to deer hunt. Hey, buy a federal waterfowl stamp. Why not? Right. You know, you're still helping conservation. It's costing you $15 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and then they get that opportunity and they can go. Uh, Another thing I want to touch on also, and this is, you know, just from my years of experience and people I know in the business, Texas has got a few things wrong on these alligator guards as far as reproduction goes. Um, I know they've got, you know, teams out there, biologists, and I'm sure that they're great at what they do, but they just haven't spent the time on the water to fully understand this fish yet to be coming to uh, assumption. You know, they've, they've recently started what's called Gar Week uh, here in Texas, kind of like Shark Week. They've got a new website up on TPWD solely dedicated to the alligator gar, and they're basically giving out facts and, and stuff like that. They're under the impression that these fish have to have a large induating flood to spawn, uh-huh. and it's, it's just not the case. Now, in a lot of river systems and creek systems, estuaries, stuff like that, it does have to happen. But I have, you know, first-hand photos and videos and, and, and eyewitness. These fish will spawn in years without flood if conditions in some of our big lakes are, are correct. Uh, usually even on a downfall. Let's say they open the dam at Falcon Lake, for example. When that lake starts to come down, it's almost like simulated current on the banks. So in the flats, these fish will spawn. Hmm. Uh, let's say at Falcon... They open the Del Rio Amistad Dam, and water comes in, and we get a two-foot rise. It's not a flood because you're still below full pool of the lake, but that water is rising up on these flats. It's almost like simulated flooding. Oh, uh, so the fish are spawning more than they think they are. You know, they're 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 connecting these spawns to these big rain events, and we don't have to have them for these fish to successfully spawn. Huh. Interesting. Well, and with that being said, though, you told me that you don't think they've spawned at all this year. I do not. No, not in the bodies of water that I've been on. Now, I know over in the Trinity and other locations, uh, they have because they have had the conditions they need. Yeah. But but the small bodies of water that I've been focusing my attention on this year, we have not had a spawn. Huh. Well, you, but one other interesting thing you said, and this goes back to what you just talked about, is if conditions were right in you know November or December, they'd spawn. Correct. Yeah, yeah. We've actually I've actually got video of alligator gar spawning in early December. Um, but, we, you know, Texas has got mild winter times. If we have a real hot day and that water will get up somewhere where that sun can warm it up enough, they'll get in there and do their thing. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, your carp and stuff won't do that. They have to have, you know, multiple days to stabilize and, and kind of stage. The alligator gar are pretty spontaneous. We'll shoot these fish sometimes in January, December, and they'll be carrying eggs. Uh, I don't know of a carp that does that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cody, man, I certainly appreciate it. You've been doing this eight years full time, so you know your stuff. Uh, it was a very, uh, it was a professional experience, educational. I mean, the wealth of knowledge that you, that you shared with us, uh, was something that I, you know, I thought was fascinating and I certainly enjoyed that as well. So thanks for coming on today and, and sharing some of that with our, our audience as well. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to hopefully getting you guys out on the road again. We'll, uh, we'll get out there and get after them. All right. Well, we, we've got to bring some sharpshooters so I can, uh, you know, have a fish to hold up. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. You, you did a good job picking our shooters last time. Uh, but, hey, the uh, the website is ExtremeBowFishing.com, uh, Instagram, ExtremeBowFishing, and you've got a Facebook page as well, so folks can find you there. Awesome, awesome. All right, buddy. Well, hey, thanks again. Have a good one. All right, Extreme Bow Fishing's Cody Soley. I hope you all enjoyed that. I always find alligator gar to be a, a fascinating topic. So many people have opinions on a fish that very few people actually target on a regular basis. Uh, that segment of the show
brought to you by All Seasons Feeders, Blinds, and Barbecue Pits and Smokers. I mean, they've got it all, including the damn fish feeder. So if you're feeding bass, catfish, crappie, whatever you've got on your property that you are trying to grow, you need to get the damn fish feeder. You put it on the damn dam and feed your damn fish. It's that easy. It's the damn fish feeder, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Well, y'all don't go anywhere. Up next, we talk faith and how it's impacting the future of hunting. Real Tree's David Blanton joins us right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Have you had the frustration of trying to mount your game camera to a T-post with zip ties or bailing wire, but the first time you check it, find it pointing at the ground? I have. My name is Art Greep with Gunny Art Products. I'm the inventor of Teammate, the T-post game camera mount. Teammate is a rugged steel bracket. Just attach your camera to it, slip it over a T-post, and latch it in place. Teammate will end your zip tie and bailing wire frustration. Order yours today at tpostmount.com. That's tpostmount.com. Cable here, and we all know that the North Texas weather plays for keeps. That's why you should call my childhood baseball buddy, Phil, with Tech City Roofing. Tech City is a one-stop shop for your roofing needs, offering a 10-year transferable warranty. They don't require money up front or a down payment. They deal directly with your insurance company. Tech City is insured and has an A-plus rating with the BBB. Call Phil Marler at 940-600-8221 for a free inspection, or email him at phil at techcityroofing.com. That's my lifelong bud, Phil with Tech City Roofing at 940-600-8221. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit BobcatofDallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors Show, Oldies Edition, Norman Dreambaum, Spirit in the Sky, bringing us back. Uh, thanks to Dallas Safari Club, our title sponsor. Thanks to you guys and gals for hanging out with me today. It's a pleasure to be here talking outdoors with you. As we've got a very special guest set to join us here momentarily, one who I'm sure all of you are very familiar with. He's been doing it as long as... As long as outdoor television has been a thing, and David Blanton of Realtree will be here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you cordially (laughs) to uh, 
to get plugged in with this great group of like-minded folks who are passionate about three things, hunters' rights, education, and conservation. To do so, check us out at biggame.org. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He's someone who I've had the pleasure of visiting with in person a couple times over the years. And when it comes to just being a, a genuinely good human being, they don't make a much better than David Blanton. Thanks for being here, David. Oh, thank you, Cable, for having me. It's, a, it's an honor and a privilege. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so how is your summer treating you? Well, it's great. We had a, a wonderful turkey season. Unfortunately, now in the summertime, we get really geared up on our production as all the new hunting shows typically start airing in July. And so there's a lot of production, a lot of editing going on right now. Um, this is our our indoors season, as you <laughs> say, uh, before we hit the road again uh, around September 1st. Yeah. Yeah, and my wife, uh, so I've been in the industry about almost 10 years now, and she's finally come to realize that there's not, there's no such thing as a downtime or off season, you know. Uh, I leave for Africa in a couple of days, and she's always like, man, it's just, it just never ends. <laughs> it never ends. It's funny when you run into people who love watching our shows or our DVDs, and uh, they say, man, what do you guys do when it's not hunting season? And I just kind of chuckle, and, and, when I get to explaining to them the production aspect, they go, oh, I, well, I guess that makes sense. I guess you got to put it all together, don't you? And I say, yeah, but but that's okay. You know, by the time the end of the summer rolls around, we're, we're, we're ready to get back outdoors. And by the time deer season rolls around, we're, we're ready to get indoors for a while. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, David, you know, your faith is a, is a huge part of what makes you you. How important is it for you to be able to use your success in the outdoor industry to share your testimony? Well, Cable, I, I've, I've come to understand um, through my career as it progresses and my, my struggles and my failures and my successes are all part of God's story for my life. And, and, I, and it becomes crystal clear to me that I am where I am at Realtree in front of the camera because it's God's platform. It's what he determined for me before the beginning of time. Now that may change tomorrow, but right now I just feel so blessed and so fortunate to really know that I'm here because God has provided this platform, not, not me. And he is reaching people through me when I'm obedient to him. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very unique uh, to know that you are doing what you're called to do. You know, so many people wonder, well, I wonder what it is God wants me to do. And honestly, I believe there are a lot of people that really go through life trying to figure out what it, what is it that, that God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I feel so blessed to know that this is what God wants me to do. Well, so it is a very unique situation where you're able to to use your platform to uh to share god's love and i don't see a lot of folks in the outdoor industry as outspoken as you are or as willing to talk about it i'm i'm sure um a lot of folks are christians and are comfortable talking about it more of in a private private setting but uh maybe 
I don't know, it's a crazy world we live in, and, and some people get turned off by the fact that we are Christians. Well, absolutely. You know, uh, this is not a Christian world we live in here on this earth, and uh, we've been told that throughout God's Word time and time again that this is the enemy's domain. And uh, But I just... Uh, I just simply uh, try to take the opportunity to allow God to use me as his vessel. Um, you know, there are some mighty, mighty fine Christian men in our industry that I really look up to and admire. You know, Hank Parker, Will Primos, David Morris, just to name a few. Um, and, and we all have a chance to go out and speak, and we choose to go out and speak and be used by God at different events. And, you know, about 20 years ago, the, the, this wild game phenomenon um, started. And I truly believe that was the work of the Holy Spirit to, to start wild game dinners at churches, to, to reach out to the outdoors people that that typically are not in church on a regular basis or may have never been to church, but they love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so I believe God, you know, designed this this uh, this ministry to reach out to those people, and uh, and I just feel so blessed that He has anointed me to speak and give my testimony at, at events like this. Uh, is 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 very near and dear to my heart. Well, David, did you grow up in the church, or was this something that happened later on in life for you? No, I grew up in the church, very, very fortunate. And part of my testimony is, as a nine-year-old in Gaffney, South Carolina, I walked down the aisle of the First Baptist Church, and I gave my life to Jesus. And I understood exactly what I was doing as in contrast with so many young people today that may profess their faith, walk down the aisle of a church and get baptized and never really understand what it is they're doing because of peer pressure or parent pressure or what have you. But in my case, I understood from that point on in my life that I had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I was saved. That regardless of whatever happens to me, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, and I have that assurance and I've had that assurance since I was nine years old. Now that doesn't mean that I always walk hand in hand with God. Quite the opposite. Um uh, uh when I you know started in the industry, my testimony is that my job at Realtree became the Lord of my life and, and it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And this job became too important. And so it's a great story that that God has given me a testimony of how he dealt with me. and, and uh, But yes, I, I grew up in the church and, and started my walk with God as a nine-year-old. Hmm. Well, one thing that I struggle with personally in my family, and I have three young kids, a uh, son who's five and twin girls that are three, and uh, it's hard to go to church because a lot of the time I'm out of town hunting on, on the weekends. And, uh, and I, and I know, you know, you're a father and, um, I was just curious to, to pick your brain on, on how you manage that. Cause I, I usually find sanctuary in the outdoors, you know, cause that's where I am more often than not on Sunday morning. Um, and so it's very difficult to be in the pew on a regular basis and still be, you know, 
in this career, in this in industry anyway, it's a challenge for me personally. Yes, it is a struggle. I I, I have struggled with that uh, since my all my boys are grown now and they're adult men. But when they were young and I was just starting my career here at Realtree, it was a struggle. And I was gone more than I should have been gone. And um, and I look back and, and, and honestly, I feel like my priorities were not in order, that I should have made more of an effort to be at home more than I was to, to take my family to church on Sunday mornings. That's one of the things I, I wish I could go back and do again, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Well, is it, yes, this this industry is wonderful. There's there's nothing I would rather be doing, but um, things that other folks don't struggle with. I mean, like I said, I, like you, you know, you grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. It's important for me to get my kids to church, um, but it, it is a it is a struggle. That is for sure. Something that I'm dealing it, with. It, it it makes me more aware of the enemy that we battle every day. Mm-hmm. Satan can take a blessing from God. And, and and deceive us in our mind and and make it an obstacle to God. He can he can create a wedge between us and God if we're not very careful and very diligent in a, in our search for intimacy with God. And we've all failed at that. Mm-hmm. You know, even King David talked about his heart failed him on on many occasions. So uh, I think. Spiritual warfare is is real. The Bible tells us it's real, and I think God uses, uh, in my case, uses my job, which is a blessing from God. If I'm not very diligent, and and I've lost this battle, this this, this battle some, is that I will allow my pride and my selfishness to seep in and become too important. Absolutely, absolutely. Let me ask you this, because you recently became involved with a ministry based out of Junction, Texas. Tell us a little bit about Crossroads at Panadero Ranch. Uh, I'm sure that most of our audience is not familiar with it, but it's certainly a worthy cause. One of the dearest, most godliest men I've ever met, Bill Baker, along with his wife, Landa. This is obviously you know, their ministry and, and a reflection of their heart for these kids that grew up without a father influence in their life. Um, I firmly believe that God um, brought Bill and I together last year, just having conversations over the phone. He invited me to, to uh, come out and hunt and, 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 and kind of be a part of a, of a sweepstakes hunt that they were trying to raise money for the ministry crossroads. And, uh, and I agreed. It was just one of those things where I knew in my heart I was to to be involved, and of course, going out and meeting Bill and spending a few days with him and hunting with him and experiencing the the ministry, I just knew that this was was an effort that I wanted to invest in with my time. Yeah. And so I'm very very excited about being a part of Crossroads Ministry. I. Bill and his wife, Linda, have become dear friends, and I've met some incredible people through the ministry already, and I'm so looking forward to going back this October to actually take part in the the fundraiser hunt, the hunt they're, they're raffling off, but also this year to take part 
in the, one of the hunts with some of the young men, some of the kids, to, to be there as a spiritual leader, as a counselor, as a guide, whatever they need. I, I'm really, really excited about being a part of, of that event this October. Well, and and uh, Bill uh, approached me about the ministry and, and said that you'd be more than willing to talk about it because you're passionate about it. And so I was just doing a little research and and from what Bill told me, it's 11 to 16-year-old boys, like you referenced, that grew up without a father figure, that have no no experience in hunting or the outdoors for that matter. Um, and Crossroads takes them to the ranch for a weekend, I don't know, three, four days, whatever it is, takes them hunting, and like you said, offers uh, spiritual leadership, guidance, and uh, and so it's not hard to see why you felt like this was a, a worthy cause because I, I know you get approached by a lot of worthy uh, causes, endeavors, nonprofits, probably on a regular basis. But this one was I one did. that I, I did absolutely. You know, but this one but, home for you, and you and you can't do them all, and and that's when you really just have to rely on discernment and and really seek God's guidance because they're all worthy, they're all great causes, but obviously you you can't invest in all of them you you don't have the ability to do that but this one with bill baker crossroads was immediately i, I knew immediately this is something i wanted to be a part of yeah well god family and hunting are probably the, the three most important things in my life and it seems like crossroads is filling that family void uh where you know these guys don't have these kids don't have that that father figure, which is more important in today's society than I think it ever has been, to be honest with you. Yes, we we have we have way too many single parent homes where the mom just simply does not have the interest nor the ability to introduce her children to the outdoors. Yeah. The crossroads has found a way to introduce young men to the outdoors. And most importantly introduce them to Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. And uh, that's just remarkable to me. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Well, so as far as the, the raffle is concerned, um, this is a way that, that Crossroads is, is trying to raise money to continue in their mission. And someone is going to win a hunt with you. Uh, I think, I, I don't know how many tickets they're selling or or how much they cost. Uh, but the website, uh, just for, for folks out there, is Crossroads at, and that's spelled out A-T, Panadero Ranch, that's P-A-N-A-D-E-R-O, ranch.org. And folks can find out uh, there how to uh, purchase a ticket for a chance to, to win a hunt with you at the ranch. And I don't know, are we all be hunting whitetail? Yes, that that is my knowledge. And, uh, but, it's it's a fabulous time and um it's just a great it's just a great cause and i really look forward to it it'll be right in the middle of our busy fall schedule but it's a well it's going to be a welcome uh break for me to to step back and really uh minister to some of these young men and uh, i'm really looking forward to it awesome well we certainly appreciate you making it a point to to give back 
Well, Cable, thank you. It's an honor and a privilege, and I appreciate you having me on today, and, and uh, good luck in Africa. Well, I appreciate it. Let me, let me ask you one last thing before we, we get off here. What uh, I know your schedule's jammed full of hunts for this fall. Which one are you most excited about for uh, 2018? You know, that's always a hard question to answer because I love them all. Yeah. I mean, we, we kick off in Wyoming at Seven Day Outfitters on that early season bow hunt for whitetails. It's just a lot of fun. It's a great fellowship. A lot of a lot of guys in the industry. It, it's so much fun. And then we head into elk hunting in New Mexico this year, and I, I just. I think bow hunting for elk during the rut is the greatest challenge uh, that I have every year, and I love it. It's, it is something you don't get to do a lot of because the season is so short, and it's hard to get a tag for uh, a big bull elk to hunt one. And I, I love bow hunting elk during the rut. It's incredible. Uh, so I... Uh, and, and and then I'll get to go back to Kansas and Montana, and I actually drew a Montana elk tag as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Now, did you draw? I, I drew in New Mexico as well, so I was curious. Did you draw, or is that uh, is that? No, I'm, I I've got a landowner tag, oh, nice. I've, 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 but I've I've never drawn New Mexico. I have the toughest time drawing, but I'm putting in for. 16A or 16B, which are incredibly hard to draw. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I drew which, my third choice after draw? those. those were, which unit did you draw? Oh, I can't say that on the air, David. I can't do that. I'll tell everyone I put in for 16A and 16B, but I can't tell you where I drew. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> then everyone else will be there next year, and I'll never get to hunt there again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 16A is a hard tag to draw. Oh, yeah. No, I think the odds are like point zero. Three yeah. or four percent, or something like that's that. That's right. Unless you're that's Randy right. Newberg, then he seems to draw it like every other year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. I, I've never drawn it. Yeah, me neither. I've never drawn it. Well, well. Good luck in New Mexico, Montana, and everywhere else. God's taking you, my Thank friend. Thank you so much, Kale, and God bless you, brother. All right. Take care. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye bye. So there he goes, Real Trees, David Blanton. Truly, uh, well, what just a gentle, kind spirit. And I got to believe that is a direct result from his relationship with the man upstairs. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Horizon Firearms. You know, I'm taking my 7 mag to South Africa next week to hunt with John X Safaris. Horizon Firearms built that gun to my specifications. They're based out of College Station, Texas. They'll spec out your gun, your caliber, the stock that you want, the style of barrel, fluting, bolt everything they will customize your gun however you want it you have total control you should check them out if you're looking for a custom rifle build go no further than horizonfirearms.com we all hang tight because up next we'll be joined by our old friend billy powell that's right wild bill from texas select seasonings will be here the pitmaster barbecue uh hog hunting extraordinaire he is a a jack of all trades that's right he'll stop by next we're going to talk some wild game cooking hog hunting and who knows what else but we do it next right here on the lone star outdoor show well i might take a train i might take a plane but if i have to walk i'm going just the same going to kansas city kansas city here i come they got some crazy little women there and i'm Hey guys, Cable here, and I need to tell you about the Go Wild app. If you've experienced any kind of hatred 
on social media from anti-hunters, from tree huggers, and the like. Then check out the growing Go Wild community. It's free. It's available for both iPhones and Android. It's a great place to trade hunting and fishing stories, recipes, and share some of those bragging board moments of your outdoor successes. Check it out. It's the Go Wild app, available for both iPhones and Androids. Hey, hey, all you waterfowl junkies out there. Cable here for TX Duck Blinds. Highly durable and highly mobile customized duck blinds built by duck hunters for duck hunters. Each blind is built from solid steel by professional welders and field tested before shipment. A duck season will come and go, but guess what? Your TX Duck Blind is built to last. Customize yours today by calling 817-965-1306. You can also find them at texasduckblinds.com or check them out on Instagram and Facebook at TX Duck Blinds. Hey guys, Cable here for Chama Chairs. The Chama Chair is the all-terrain swivel chair designed out of necessity because the owners were tired of poor performing hunting chairs. The Chama weighs less than 8 pounds, silently swivels 360 degrees, converts to a stool, has tear-resistant fabric, telescoping legs, and pivoting duck feet. The carrying bag even has accessory pockets and gun and bow straps. Chama Chairs is revolutionizing the hunting chair. It's literally making all other hunting chairs obsolete. And you can find them at chamachairs.com. A rock steady point. A covey rises. Over-unders ring out. Cable here for White Rock Upland Birds, an outfit Bell and I have hunted with many times. Whether you bring your bird dogs or use their polished pointers, hunting quail and pheasant on the White Rock Trophy Ranch is an experience to remember. Located 45 minutes from DFW in Italy, Texas, White Rock will waive the $150 guide fee if you mention the Lone Star Outdoors show. Plus, save $25 off any package if you bring your own dogs. So grab your buddies and shotguns and call 972-880-9068 today. Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Well, that'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're gonna leave. You know it's a lie, cause that'll be the day when I die. There it is. Buddy Holly, that'll be the day. <laughs> of course, Buddy Holly dead at the age of 22 in the infamous plane crash that killed him, 17-year-old Richie Valens and the Big Bopper as well. Uh, one of the saddest days in musical history, that is for sure, uh, but a tune and an artist that has stuck with me throughout the years. And uh, before I discovered other musical outlets, it was Christian Radio or the oldies stations, per my parents' rules. And so uh, Buddy Holly has always been one of uh, of my go-tos. Anyway, I'm Cable Smith. 
Thank you guys and gals for being here, tuning into the Lone Star Outdoors show today, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Uh, we're all set to dive into a little wild game cooking seasoning, because that is so important when it comes to preparing that catch or, or that kill that you worked so hard to procure. We're going to do that with Wild Bill from Texas Select Seasonings. But first, this segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Beer. What are you going to pair all that wild game cooking with? All that time on the barbecue pit? Of course, a nice cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest joining us now. He is the founder of Texas Select Seasonings. His name is actually William Powell. But uh, most folks just call him Wild Bill. And so, Wild Bill, we appreciate you being here, brother. Sounds good. Good to talk to you again, Cable. Absolutely. Well, so you and I have been uh, we've been friends for a while. <laughs> and I don't know how many years ago you sent me my first care package from uh, Texas Select Seasonings. But I've yes, been sir. using your spices and your seasonings religiously for, gosh, probably it's probably been three or four years, to be honest with you. It's been right around four years, yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, and we're going to talk a lot about a lot about that here today. But I do want to say, so we hadn't actually met until this past uh, summer at one of the Texas Trophy Hunter shows, and I don't even remember what you cooked up there. But I uh, I think it was like some kind of carne gasada or something. Yes, sir. It was a venison gasada. Oh my gosh, it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I I've been living vicariously through your I call them food porn photos over the years, but. Uh, actually finally got to to have a taste of it and man it did not disappoint thank you sir yeah well so let's talk a little bit about you as far as your background because behind every good cook there's got to be there's there's a story there and i'm interested to find out what got you interested in cooking barbecuing and and ultimately what i'm passionate about is, is wild game cooking Yes, sir. It all based on family influences. Uh, you know, I grew up, I spent a lot of summers on my grandparents, uh, the Garcia Ranch in South Texas and Alice, Texas, and uh, harvesting the wild chili piquine, making the paste by which, you know, we made a lot of uh, recipes with and uh, kind of the influence of uh, growing around, uh, growing up around that culture and also the culture on my dad's side of the family over in East Texas around the Palestine, the Elkhart area. So uh, growing up around hunting and fishing, uh, having my dad as a Marine who taught us early on about gun safety and our gun rights even as kids and, and going out and hunting and teaching us the safety in the woods, that's where it all started. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess it became a passion. You know, once you harvest, you know, the next thing to do, obviously, is cook it. So on both sides of the family, uh, you know, they lived out in the country. We always uh, canned vegetables. Uh, we cooked everything fresh. Uh, on one side of the family, we might barbecue traditional style in the grill. And the other side, we might, you know, cook a hog in the ground. So it's uh, just something I grew up with, and uh, when I was around, I guess, around 17 years old when I started my life's journey, um, I started getting out and uh, getting into competitions early 80s. I started making salsa and mason jars and spices and selling it uh, anywhere I could, you know, local bars. Huh. I went to uh, farmer's markets and places like that, and that's kind of kind of where it started and evolved to what it is today, which is a branded name, mm-hmm. Texas Select Seasonings. And uh, we've grown to uh, to about 50 products now between our salsa, our pepper jellies, our barbecue rubs, and our uh, wild game seasonings. Well, and I do have to go back to one thing you said in your 
earlier years harvesting the wild chili pekins. Mm-hmm. I accidentally made the mistake of cutting some of those up one time and then going and taking a leak. And let me tell you, you want to know a new It'll kind get of, your attention on it. Oh, my gosh. You don't want to be itching and burning down there, but goodness gracious, it was on fire. Uh, some of my favorite things that you make are, are very spicy. So that, um, you know, obviously that culture of, of cooking, using those spices is something that's uh, still uh, very evident in, in the products that you put out today. Yes, sir, it is. And uh, actually, I've got a nickname for one of my products. It's uh, it's a very simple product, but very flavorful. And it's a dry seasoning with the wild chili bikini and sea salt and garlic. That's the only thing in it. And uh, in competitions, uh, locally and nationally, and in a lot of my recipes, you'll, you'll notice that I use it. And I, and I refer to it as Garcia Love in remembrance of my grandma, Garcia. And uh, so that's always either a base of what I start something with. At the very end, I put a little bit on to finish it off for a little pop. Because it's one of those flavor profiles. It's, it's it's all about the flavor. You get a little heat, but then it goes away. I like a habanero, something that's continued to burn. So uh, it's just something that's uh, identify more with that culture, obviously. And then that's uh, so a lot of my cooking has a lot of the herbs. It has citrus in it and chilies and things like that. And so you'll see a lot of the recipes that I create online are, are more influenced that direction. And and then if it, if it's the other side, you know, the East Texas side, we always smothered everything down. We make gravies whether it be a, a fresh tomato-based red gravy or a brown gravy, smothering, uh, you know, brown uh, patties from wild hog or venison with mushrooms over rice. You know, we, that's how we cook, more country style. Mm-hmm. You know, I could probably count them one hand, you know, in the last 20 years, how many times I've actually chicken fried venison. It's not that I don't like it. I love it. It's just the way we cook, bone in big meat pieces and stew it down, uh, grill it off first and then stew it down, either make tacos with it or eat over rice. And traditionally, that's just how I've always cooked my wild game. Oh, and you know, over the years, I've I've kind of transitioned into I'd rather slow cook something like a shank, for example, whether it's yes, elk or or deer or uh, or some exotic. I mean, we have so many exotics in Texas. Uh, that has become probably my favorite cut off of of any cervid animal. We'll say uh, it's just it's just tough to beat. And then of course, once you've cooked it down to fall off the bone tender, you've got all that delicious bone marrow inside that. Uh, you know, my exactly. kids fight over now, and they're three, <laughs> three, and five. So, <laughs> the flavor's in the bone. So, yeah, and that's how we've always cooked. That's why my like traditional uh, butchering methods versus uh, you know debone everything and grind it into sausage. You know, let's, let's seek the meat. Sausage is fun, and we'll make some to snack on at deer camp. Everybody wants some and summer sausages, but majority, you know, ninety five percent of the meat we're cutting it's for it's cut down stew meat or, or whole pieces to to roast and cook down, you know, slowly. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so so much more depth of flavor that way when you're cooking it, you know, with your with your seasonings and fresh vegetables and peppers and such, and uh, just a it's a whole different way of looking at it and eating it. Well, it's it's a, certainly a different culinary experience, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorites that you've sent me, you've got the uh, the jalapeno garlic salt. Um, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So that's one that I've I've used religiously, um, and then anytime I'm cooking seafood, and you've seen me post this one quite a bit lately, is the uh, coastal seafood blend. Yes, sir. And that one, that one's got that one's got some kick to it, but not enough to like. My wife doesn't like really really spicy, but that one's got just enough to where it doesn't scare her off, and she thinks it's got to. You know, a nice flavor profile. It's really you great. You can mix it in your in your breading, you know, for frying fish. You can use it for grill, the grilled. It helped us win uh, the 2016 Gulf Coast uh, Seafood Grand Championship here in Galveston County, and that was the the product that I use um, on pretty much every uh, category. 
And uh, it's been very, very effective for us. And basically, it's a fusion of a Gulf Coast, what I call a Gulf, Gulf Coast flavor profile, and an East Coast flavor profile, if you were to merge those two together with a little bit of a South Texas heat to it. So it's, uh, it's good on any seafood, any gumbo. Yeah. And, and these are dry rubs that I'm talking about. You've got the rustic mm-hmm. rub. Uh, yes, sir. That's that, my wild game rub. Yeah. Yeah. So that goes on all my venison and probably the one that I've actually used the most out of compared to all the other ones. Um, so obviously really like that one. Uh, what, what is it about that, that rub that has made it so popular? It's a coarser rub and uh, it makes a really good bark. Uh, so a lot of folks use it, even if you're quick searing the back low in the venison over a fire, or if you use it on a brisket in competition, we have a lot of KCBS sanctioned uh, teams that love it because of the, the coarser uh, bark that it creates on there. It's been very popular. The other thing is uh, a lot of folks don't realize it's got a dehydrated uh, beef stock powder in it. So even if you were to brown uh, uh, some venison and put it in a slow cooker and add some of this to it, as it cooks down over time, it's going to add flavor to your, to your gravy because it's breaking down. It's got a roasted um, garlic pieces in it. It's got toasted onion pieces. So you have a depth of flavor there amongst all that. So it's, it's been very popular for a lot of things. But like you said, you have 50, 50 products now. Uh, we don't have time but to you talk. But you can't. You've got to mention a Juicy Pig now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and the Juicy Pig is the one, obviously. Uh, so I, I actually use both. I use the Rustic Rub and the Juicy Pig on, on a lot mm-hmm. of my pork. I don't know if, if that's standard or not, but that's what, what I've ended up doing. Um, the Juicy Pig pretty much launched my company. Uh-huh. Uh, in the early days, it was called Sticky Rub because before dehydrated brown sugar was available uh, in the marketplace, we used traditional, what I call the wet sugar, like you would bake with and how most barbecue rubs were made. But as you know, in a bottle over time, it can tighten up and turn into a, to a rock. So uh, we always sold that in a bag called Sticky Rub. And once the technology came out, they started distributing a free-flow brown sugar that flowed evenly like a white granulated sugar. Then that's when Juicy Pig was formed. And since then, it's been three decades now that that's been the number one selling barbecue rub that we've ever created. Uh, it's won for a lot of teams across the nation and internationally. It's won us numerous awards and a lot of competitions, a lot of grand championships. It is just the product that's my slogan for it is often emulated but never duplicated because every time we're down and out like we recently was with the flood, there's always someone trying to put a product on the market to replace it. Well, (laughs) there's no replacement for it. There's a waiting list for it, and we back out next week, and we can't wait to get it back on the market. It's been a, a great product for three decades for us. Well, so there's one other rub that I have to mention here, and mm-hmm. it's one that my wife will not partake in, but you know, I've got some buddies who like to turn up the heat a little bit, and this one's called Rattlesnake Dust, and yes, it, it's, got, it's got some bite to it. <laughs> yes, sir, and that's basically uh, exotic chilies from around the world. Uh, I grew uh, chilies for many, many years, uh, creating uh, fresh salsa at uh, farmer's markets uh, before we went into full production with the products that we have now. And um, so I found the perfect flavor profiles to match together. And basically what I do is I put a little bit of sea salt, I put some lemon juice powder, and these chilies from around the world. And, and it's got some pop, but the, the thing about it has a depth of flavor. There's nothing like it on the marketplace. And uh, we've got a, a following for that for many years. It's still our number one hot seasoning uh, that we've ever made. And it's coming back within three weeks now, now that the, uh, the new blend shop's uh, up and running here in Lamarck. Yeah, and we're going to talk about what happened and why you guys are just now getting back up and running here. Mm-hmm. Last product, though, that I want to talk about specifically is is a glaze. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you talk about vodka, grapefruit, I mean, you're already, you've already got my attention right there. Uh, <laughs> talk about that one. Well, that was a, 
we never have made a barbecue sauce per se, but in competitions, the judges are always looking for that final color on a piece of meat. Judges get one bite in competition, so you've got to make as much impact as you can. So basically what I wanted to create well, I want to eat the whole glaze. thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to create a glaze that was basically a liquid version of the Juicy Pig barbecue rub. So once you rub the meat on, you've gone through the cooking process, you lose some of that color and flavor profile. This goes on at the very end of the cooking process. It absorbs into the meat. When that judge gets that bite, you know, it's got that citrus, which matches the citrus in the Juicy Pig. There's orange in the Juicy Pig. There's grapefruit in this glaze. But it's basically the same um, seasoning broken down in there. And uh, you're bringing that beautiful mahogany color back. You're bringing that pop to the flavor profile. It's got a little chili king kick in it. And uh, judges have loved it. You know, it launched uh, Memphis in May three years ago, and it's been a phenomenal product for us. And now we've got a new one coming out, uh, Apple Strawberry Habanero with Hickory Smoke. Mm. So that's going to be out in three weeks. Nice. Nice. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to send me one of those. Oh, you bet. <laughs> I'll send you a case of it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It well, uh, Wild Bill, let's talk about the floods because mm-hmm. you guys have been down and out twice now over the last year, year and a half. Um, you got back on your feet only to have Harvey come in and, and uh, destroy everything again. What has that been like? A lot of people thought you guys just went out of business. Yes, sir. That's the sad part is there's only so much advertising to do, and thank God for social media these days. Because, you know, when I launched, you know, we didn't even have pagers. There was no cell phones. There was no social media. There was none of that. And, uh, you know, we we had Polaroid cameras. You know, some of my first awards in the mid-'80s, you know, I've got pictures with Polaroid cameras. And I've got an original brand that we made. It was a branding iron that I would stick in my firebox at, at cook-offs and, and burn into displays, you know, from, from recycled uh, wood off of fences. You know, that's what we did back then. So, But now, with social media, I think it's great to be able to get the word out. But, no, we are not a business. Uh, over three decades now, strong. Uh, we're proud of our company. Um, but we were put down last April. Uh, when the first flood came through, they called the tax day flood. Uh, Fox News did a story on us, and uh, we did rebuild, as you, as you stated. Uh, Harvey came in and just wiped out not only the home, not only the manufacturing, the warehouses, but our retail store in another town on the mark. So everything overnight was lost again. And we were eight days rebuilt and just about to start production again uh, when that happened. So that yeah, was very devastating for my wife and I, uh, financially and otherwise, but we've uh, we've Rebuilt. Um, we've just uh, kept pushing forward, working seven days a week. Um, we've got a retail store open on January 17th in Lamarck. Um, the blending shop opened last week. The official opening is next weekend. Um, that's moving forward. And then we just signed on the house uh, last Wednesday. So uh, all the checks on the, on, the, on the box are gone. So we've uh, the last one was the home. And we move in in two weeks and hope to have a barbecue on 4th of July and, <laughs> and have a home again and get out of 10,000. So yeah, be great. Praise God. I mean, yeah, that's just crazy to to go from where you were to be to living in temporary housing for uh, and it just 13, shows you thirteen months. Yep. The devastation of of Harvey and mm-hmm. uh, and people like yourself still being affected by uh, by that disaster. What I want to talk about now is the hunting aspect. I know that you are you're obsessed with hog hunting. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. What is it about those rooters that uh, that really gets you going more so than other animals? I, I just I'm just re- always been passionate for them, but I tell you, it's just the night hunting. It's a whole different world, you know. Everybody that wants to go traditional hunting, wake up sunrise, hunt a couple hours. I've just never been that guy. I love backpacking. I love exploring. 
And uh, the rooters always been a challenge because the best time to get them, the ones that aren't heading to feeders, um, the big, what I call the solo rooter, the one that's running, running around looking for a fight, um, that's what I'm looking for, you know, 250-plus pounds. And being out there at night in their environment uh, with, with other environments out there, you know, got your raccoons at night, your fox, your coyotes, all those things you want to hunt at night. And it's just a, it's a whole different world. You know, back in the day, we had headlights and battery packs to pack around on our backs. And, and now with thermal technology and infrared technology, everything's a lot lighter. You can carry more and you go longer. You know, you can run batteries all night long now. So if you've never night hunted, I, I encourage you to try it at least once. And uh, it's addictive. I mean, it really is. And, and once you're out there with them rooters and you start dropping them, hearing them squeal, and <laughs> it's uh, and then you eat them the next, eat some the next day, it's all good. Because I, I do, when I guide, I do a lot of field-to-table experiences. Well, we'll hunt all night, get a little rest in the morning, and the next day we'll pull the meat out of the cooler, and I'm showing them four or five ways to prepare it. There's nothing better than tasting that meat within 24 hours of harvest versus taking to a butcher and four months down the road pulling something out of the freezer and cooking it. Oh, absolutely. It's no comparison. Yeah. So I want people to experience that, especially for first-time hunters and, and people that are new to night hunting. Yeah. Well, so, so let me ask you this. When it comes to pork, what is your favorite cut to work with? But I like the shank meat and I like the shoulders, you know. The, the loins obviously are great. The, uh, the rib loins, cook, take them out and grill them up real fast. And, you know, again, I like to smother it down. I like to make ranchero tacos, you know. I'll sear them off on a pit and uh, finish braising them off in a pan with peppers and tomatoes and onions and everything. Stew them down and shred it and make tacos right there on site. That's uh, got to be my favorite. Anything with a bone in it. Yeah, <laughs> right on. And brown it, and I just did a quick little video online also, but, but basically you just brown it, uh, crush some chili pekins, uh, and what we call the mocha jefe, it's a little stone bowl, uh, with a little bit of olive, any kind of oil. Back then we used a lot of lard, you know, to brown the meat in. But uh, you crush the chili pekins, some garlic, some tomato, um, blanch some tomatoes and peel them and cut those up and put them in there. Some herbs, uh, nowadays I use my, my seasoning, just drop it in. Uh, a little cumin and salt and pepper. And that's pretty much all you need to after you brown the meat and make the gravy and let it smother down two to three hours to tender. And then just um, pull that meat apart and shred it and make a taco. And so what is the total cook time on that? It's about three hours. Uh, depending on the cut of meat and uh, how tough the meat is, you know, how quick it's going to tender down. But if you grind it, you know, or, or I, I like the shredded meat better than the grind meat. So I'll, I'll sear it on a pit or sear it outside or I'll brown it in cast iron, you know, with um, – with lard, and then smother it down the gravy. You're about, about three hours to get it tender and ready to eat. Okay, okay. And, and so the only thing I add to that taco, only thing I add to that taco, there's so much flavor in that gravy, is a sliced avocado, and I sprinkle a little bit of that Garcia love on it, and that's it. What, what do you sprinkle on it? That Garcia love, my chili pekin sauce. Uh-huh, okay. Mm-hmm. And and what what liquids are you adding to it to, I mean, obviously the, the meat is cooking down, helping to create that gravy, but... What other liquids are you? Are you adding any water? You can add water or any stock. I prefer to use a stock. A lot of times when I'm when I'm cutting meat parts down, I take a lot of my bones and roast them, and I'll make my stocks. I'll just go to town and get some celery, some onions, bell pepper, and I'll make stocks, and I'll freeze back blocks of stock um, from different animals, and then I'll just take those and thaw those out, and I use that stock. Or you can simply go get chicken stock uh, for, for wild poultry or, or beef stock if you're using for venison. Uh-huh. And for wild hog, and um, you can use use that stock versus the water. It's got a lot more flavor. Sure. And then tomatoes, uh, I use all the fresh uh, blanched tomatoes and use some of the water from blanching. Well, hell, that sounds a lot better than the can of Rotel I'd dump in mine. 
<laughs> that show became so much better. Yeah. Um, well, awesome stuff. Folks can find uh, find you at TexasSelectSeasonings.com or check us out on Facebook. Most of the updates are on our Facebook page, Texas Select Seasonings, and then we just recently started an Instagram page for Texas Select Seasonings. So follow us there, and that's where I'll be posting all the new recipes and some kill videos coming up from Rooter Hunts. <laughs> right on. <laughs> you know um, we're going to be dropping a few of Always, always. Well, and we're glad you guys are back and. And Thank in production, you, like I said, this this company is uh, a Texas tradition, 30 years uh, now, and uh, we're certainly glad to see that you know you found the light at the end of the tunnel after these two natural disasters kind of put you guys under for a while. We thank you for everything. Well, we appreciate it. Look forward to uh, seeing you out at the the trophy hunter shows this summer. Sounds good. We'll see you then. All right. Take care. You too, sir. Bye bye. So there he goes, William Powell, a.k.a. Wild Bill from Texas Select Seasonings. I tell you what, if you want to see some mouth-watering or inspirational wild game preparations, then you need to follow along on his social media outlets. Guy is a uh, culinary maestro, let me tell you that. Uh, that segment of the presentation, by the way, Brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy in Marion, Texas. I actually just went fishing with my buddy Josh Gunther. And uh, he and his wife Becky have run Rustic Reminders. They've been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for six or seven years. But just within the last month, Josh got his captain's license and is now running uh, guided trips out of Port O'Connor, Texas for sharks and giant redfish. I went down there uh, last week. And caught the biggest redfish of my life, uh, 43 inches. Dang thing weighed over 40 pounds. It was insane. And uh, Josh will put you on them. Check it out. It's gr8mounts.com. You can find Josh's number on the website. Um, unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go. Got to get out of here. Thanks to Wild Bill, as well as our other guests today, David Blanton of Realtree. And, of course, Cody Soli of extreme boat fishing it was great fishing with him this past week and uh, a treat to talk alligator gar with cody as always uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of the lone star outdoors show until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors yes, I think to myself What a wonderful